weeks we've been talking about God's Word. We've been talking about our Bibles. And we talked the first week about what is the Bible and how did we get it. And can we trust it? And so we talked about the fact that our Bible is actually a library of 66 books. And it's God's written message to man. So the Bible is a library of 66 different books written, and it's God's message delivered to man. And we talked also about the fact that a lot of times when we think of the Bible, we think of the Bible as a book of rules. But the Bible is not a book of rules. It's God's message of love, and it's God's message of hope. And then last week we talked about, even a little more specifically when we talk about God's message, is there is one main message in God's Word. There's one main character in God's Word. That main character is who? Jesus Christ. And the message is a message of restoration or redemption. And we went through, if you remember, we talked about seven C's and how things started out really great. And then we're in this period and, and life has, and the world has been broken and damaged and individuals are broken and damaged by sin but that there will be a complete restoration. If you remember, we talked about creation. We talked about the curse. We talked about the covenant. We talked about Christ, who is the centerpiece of all history. He's the centerpiece of God's word. That's who the Bible looks forward to, looks back towards, is <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Then we talked about the church. Then we talked about the crown, the, the millennial kingdom. And then we talked about one day there will be complete restoration. So we talked... If you missed last week, we gave the whole message of the Bible in, I think it was like 20 minutes, right? Something like that. Maybe a little more than 20 minutes. Maybe double 20 minutes. But uh, <clears throat> and, and again, we, uh, the Bible holds for us, you know, we can go through and talk about the Bible holds wisdom about finances, or about marriage, about relationships, about forgiveness, and all of those wonderful things. But most importantly... The Bible holds the message about hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope in this life that we can have an abundant, full, meaningful life now that we can have in Jesus Christ. We don't have to live as slaves to sin now, but also that we can be granted and given as a gift if we will just receive it, that we can have eternal life for eternity, for the future. And that God's, uh, in, in, in His wisdom and through the provision of His Son, we don't just have forgiveness of sins, but that we get God's complete righteousness given to us. We become new creatures. You know, forgiveness of sins would be like cleaning out the inside of a, jar, a dirty jar. Well, God does clean out the inside of the dirty jar, but He doesn't leave it empty. We get the Holy Spirit. We get God's righteousness given to us. And that's the good news of God's Word. And so this week, we're going to talk, and we, if, if we believe this, and we say, yeah, boy, God's Word is so powerful, so awesome, it's incredible. And, and, and I think we would all agree, yeah, I want to get into God's Word, I want to know God's Word. But if we're honest, a lot of times we struggle with getting into God's Word and taking time to dive into it. And we have a lot of reasons for that. Would you agree? Do we, does anybody here never struggle with getting into God's Word? A few people that uh, might not, but the rest of us normal people do, right? 
and, and so we have a lot of reasons for that. And sometimes some of our reasons are, well, I just don't have time. I'm so busy. And, and I understand that. And trust me, I hope by the end of the, today's message, you don't feel beat up at all. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't have time. But we spend time on social media. We spend time watching TV. We spend time in our hobbies. We spend time doing things. We're like, yeah, I just don't have the time. And so there's probably some other reasons why it's probably not just time issue. Uh, you know, and, and you may say, well, I would get into God's word, but I just don't even understand it. It does not make sense to me. Well, that's a, also a, a valid concern. And I would say there are a couple things you can do about that. One is uh, scripture itself tells us that these things are spiritually apprised. Uh, so we, we get these things. The spirit helps us to understand or illuminates the truth of God's word to us but also something else that we could practically do maybe you just need to get an easier to read version of God's word there's a, so many versions that we have and you know uh, you know sometimes we can be really legalistic and say unless you're studying in the new American standard Bible we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday then you're not really getting the true true meaning or unless you know the King James version and, and I understand those arguments but I will say this if you're not getting into God's Word because you don't understand it, get a version that you can understand. I would say that the New Living Translation, I would not use it to be making big doctrinal decisions on and find out where you stand on uh, you know, deep theological issues, but for devotional material or to help you to understand uh, the, the flow of Scripture or kind of the, the idea that a Scripture is given. It's a great paraphrase. So... If that's your reason, look into some other versions. I could give you some that, that I would suggest. Um, maybe you feel like, man, getting into God's Word, that's just labor-intensive. You know, I don't have an extra two hours and a library of Bible books to get into, and I don't have time for a big, deep Bible study every day. Well, we don't have to do big, deep Bible studies every day. And so sometimes that keeps us out of God's Word because we're shooting really high. You know, it'd be like, well, I got to get to the gym every single day. I need to be, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds right off the bat. Well, that might not be realistic. You might just need to start by walking around the block a little bit. That might be where you start, you know, and cut out the donuts. Like, that might just be a good starting place. And so when we talk about spiritual nourishment, maybe that's what we need to do and think a little bit more in, in terms like that. So what I'm hoping today, we're going we're gonna to talk about why we should be excited some reasons we should be excited to read and study God's Word. I'm hoping some of these aren't going to be new. We're going to move really quickly. But that you'll kind of realize, here's some reasons we should be excited about studying God's Word. We're going to talk a little bit about why it's important to apply God's Word. And then finally, I'm going to try and give you a few helpful ways to study God's Word. We had a ton to cover. So I'm going to pray one more time. And... Uh, ask God to, to speak to us and show me where to slow down and speed up and if I need to cut some stuff out, what that should be and if I need to keep us here past lunch, what we should do about that and uh, pray that God will give us wisdom as we go. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for this word that you've given to us that it's in, it's in black and white, it's in writing for us and help us to understand it even today as we look at passages. I pray that you would motivate us that you would encourage us to get into your word. And uh, I do pray that you would give me wisdom in the delivery of this message. Father, I thank you for these truths that we're going to look at. 
We pray these things in your precious Son's name. Amen. All right. So, again, talking about if, if you're taking notes, these would be the, the note points. A few reasons we should be excited to read and study our Bible. I'm going to move through these kind of quickly. And uh, first and foremost, that's going to be your second point. It's necessary for spiritual maturity, but you have a point if you're taking notes in there before that. It allows me to get to know God. It allows me to get to know God. God's Word tells us who God is. It describes His character. It describes what He's done. And when you hear somebody's character and you hear what they've done, you can decide if you want to trust them or not, right? You meet a guy at Circle K and he says, give me $15, uh, I'm going to turn it into 30 by the time you come out. You're probably not going to give that guy $15 because you don't know what he's done, you don't know his history, and you don't know his character. Well, a lot of people are afraid to trust God and, don't, and have uh, wrong ideas about God, wrong ideas about Jesus Christ because they have not gotten to know him. They have not seen what he's done. They don't have a clear and accurate understanding of what he's done or what his character is like. They don't understand mercy. They don't understand grace. They hear the stories of the Old Testament. And they don't see the grace and the mercy. But as we get into God's word, we begin to those things, the layers of that onion are peeled back and we begin to see that God is love. And so it's important and God's word helps us to get to know who God is. And once we know who he is, it opens our heart up to trust him more and his plan for us more. So I would say we're going to go through a bunch of reasons here. But if you would realize that God's word helps you to get to know who God is, I feel like that's the most important reason of them all, to get to know God. I think that's one of the loftiest ideals that we could have, one of the most important things. And I think uh, it's A.W. Tozer who, who, who talks about that. And basically, what you know about God is going to shape your entire life. And I believe that's true. And we find out who God is by reading his word, his message to us. <clears throat> it's necessary for spiritual maturity. As newborn babes or newborn babies desire the pure milk of the, what does it say? Of the word that you may grow. So if you want to grow, if you want to become spiritually mature, you're going to need to read God's word. It doesn't just come by showing up to church. He doesn't say church attendance is how you grow. There are a few things that do grow. Interacting with people do help you grow, but you won't grow unless you get to know God's Word. Let me give just a couple practical examples. In God's Word, it tells you your identity in Jesus Christ. It tells you about being forgiven. It tells you about being a new creature, a new creation. It talks to you about that you've been given the very righteousness of God. It talks about the fact that you are sealed, that you're secure, now, when you have that kind of information and you're dealing with rejection that we all face out in the world and you have that kind of identity to stand on, don't you think you're going to become a mature person instead of running around trying to people please and make people happy and, uh, you know, your life is wrecked because you got rejected by so-and-so? It makes you a strong, stable, spiritually mature person. God's Word also tells us how to handle trials. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that endurance in turn makes us perfect or mature. So, a lot of times we want to know how do we become mature? How do we 
handle things. Well, you want to know how to handle trials? A mature person learns how to handle trials by finding out what God's Word says to do, how to view life's horrible circumstances that we all face from time to time. Whether it's mundane horrible or tragic crisis horrible. But God's word will make us spiritually mature. That's important for us. It teaches us the importance of forgiveness, doesn't it? Isn't that, if you want to become spiritually mature, are you going to have to learn how to forgive people? Yeah, we get wronged left and right. It's one of the most important things we could learn. As we learn how Christ forgives us, it makes it possible for us to be gracious and forgive other people. That's spiritual maturity. And it's all taught right here. Your identity in Christ, how to handle trials, the importance of forgiveness. God's Word is what teaches us those things. You're not going to learn those things out in the world. You can Google those things and you'll get a bunch of different answers. You can hope to find a meaningful, inspirational quote of the day on Instagram or Facebook, but it's not going to give you the wisdom that you need to carry you through all of life's difficult situations and to grow you and mature you. But God's Word will. So it's necessary for us to become mature. It makes us strong and stable. And if you have your uh, notes there, it should be, and fruitful people. Strong, stable, fruitful people. Makes us strong, stable, and fruitful people. We've got our fly on the screen there, down there, just to, just to, he's, he's, yeah. I mean, that. I know we're in church here, but to me, that's akin to he's giving me the finger right now, that little fly. I shouldn't say that to, during church, but that's what I feel like that fly is doing. Sorry if I caused anyone to stumble, but you're going to see the pastor lose it here pretty, pretty quick. So, strong, stable, fruitful people. It says this, his delight, in, in, in Psalms 1 is comparing... The, the wicked man or the ungodly to the godly man. And here's what he's saying about the godly man. The godly man delights in the law of the Lord or the, God's word. And his, in his law, he meditates day and night. It's that consistent feeding on God's word. It's not the big Sunday, big meal. It's that steady diet of God's word. Meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You ever see, especially out here in the desert, you can tell where there's a river. You look out over the desert, and there's a big stripe of big green trees, right? You know there's a river down there or a stream. That brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Again, God's Word is going to tell us how to handle things like temptation. It's going to tell us how to handle trials. It's going to handle, tell us how to handle all the difficulties of life. It's going to give us wisdom for that during the difficulties. This, and, and so what it does is it builds us up. It makes us strong. And then just like a fruit tree, it just keeps offering its fruit for others and maybe even shade for others. If you're a person who knows the truth of God's word and knows it well, then you're made stronger for the difficulties of life. Does marriage get difficult? The only people who would say no are people who've never been married or they're just started dating. <laughs> Right? And they're like, I don't, not for us. I know all these other people that have had difficulties in marriage, but not us. We won't. Well, God's word gives the wisdom for that. And it can make you strong. And then as you know the truth of God's word, it will not only make you strong, but it will make you when other people are having difficulties in life, whatever it may be. You know who they're going to come to, to talk to, find out? 
They're going to come talk to you because they've seen you weather some storms because you were standing on the truth of God's word. You had a solid foundation. Ultimately, Jesus Christ, but through the, the, the information, the, the truths, the, uh, I want to say, not just, it's not just a bunch of data, it's truths of God, it's messages of God that we can stand on for life. That's what God's word will do for us. Again, my hope is that as we go through these, there will be some motivation to get into God's word if you struggle with that, and you'll be actually excited going, this is available to me? I mean, people spend all kinds of money on going to self-help seminars, reading self-help books, listening to podcasts, going and listening to some inspirational speakers. And the reality is everything that we need for life and godliness, God has given to us. And I'm not putting any of those things down. I'm not saying never to do those things. But I'm saying we have a resource right here that we can enjoy life, an abundant life, fruitful life, be strong, stable people if we will dive into God's Word. And so my hope is that we would be excited and encouraged to get into God's Word. This isn't a message that I'm hoping you walk out of here going, oh, pastor guilted me into getting into my Bible. I guess I'm going to have to get it off the shelf. We want to be these kind of people, right? Uh, I think it's uh, Wearsby says, uh, I think he says something about dusty people that have dusty, peop- dusty Bibles have dirty lives. And the reality of that is if we're not getting into God's Word, all kinds of garbage seeps in to our lives. That's true for all of us. But God's Word will protect us from that. Here again, even on that point, it enables us to live pure lives. How can a young man cleanse his way? Some of you have probably heard the version. How can a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed according to your word, according to God's word. Now, a lot of times we think of purity as maybe um, boring, lame. But the reality is we're talking something, a wholesome life, clean life, clean living. If you've lived the other side of clean, you know how beautiful clean and pure is. If you've lived the, the dingy, the dirty the nasty life, you know how beautiful clean is. And if you know people and maybe they're struggling, let's say a young man keeping his way pure, uh, a, a man who's married and has let uh, filth slip into his marriage through infidelity, through pornography, and you're going, God's word could have kept my marriage pure, and you've lived through or have had the devastation of those things being creeping into your life and into your marriage relationship, then what you would say is there's nothing boring or lame about purity. It's a lifesaver. And the way that we keep our way pure is by living according to God's word. And it gives us the ways that we can do that. And I mean, and if you're a businessman and you want to keep your ways pure, it's going to save you a world of hurt, isn't it? It's going to save you from lawsuits. It's going to save you from all the different kind of troubles that you would encounter if you tried to do it some other way. We want to have God's purity, God's righteousness. That's the way to having a blessed life. And God's word tells us how to do that. It sets us free. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? You know this verse. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right? 
free from what? Well, it'll make you free from insecurity. It'll make you free from hopelessness. It can make you, the truths found here can make you free from anxiety. How many people struggle with anxiety? Yeah. Depression, it can give you freedom. Fear of the boogeyman and all the bad people out there. There's a lot of bad people out there. A lot of bad things going on in our world. You want to live free of that fear? You afraid of what North Korea is going to do? You want to live free of that kind of fear? The truth of God's word will set you free. As you learn about having hope in Jesus Christ, you begin to gain freedom. And you don't have to live shackled by fear of what other people think, of what's going to happen with the economy, uh, the, our government, or this or that. We don't have to live that way. We can live free. But if you don't know the truth of God's word, all the messages, all the signals you're getting are telling you to be afraid, to freak out, protect yourself, uh, there you have no reason for hope and depression. Everything is going downhill. I mean, watch the news for an hour. And all you'll really say is, things suck. I mean, really, if we're honest with what we would say, things are a mess. But as we begin to see the, the world, current situation, through God's word, we begin to gain freedom. We don't have to be weighed down by all the garbage that's going on in the world. We also don't have to close our, we're not putting our head in the sand and acting like it's not a mess, but we don't have to live shackled to fear and discouragement and anxiety and depression and all those things. We may struggle with those things, but we don't have to be slaves to them. We can live free because we have truth. We know, you know, last week we talked about the seven C's. We know the end plan, right? And you know if you're a Christian that you're on the winning team. I don't know, it doesn't matter right now. You may look at the scoreboard and go, man, this game looks hopeless. But if you are a child of God, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are on the winning team. It's a, a sure thing. I mean, if you were a betting man and they were bet putting odds on this game of life, and you could go to Vegas, no matter, it would, we would be the big underdog when you look at us from the outside. But according to God's word, we know that we are on the winning team, and it's a sure thing. That kind of truth will set you free from a lot of the things going on in this world. We don't have to live shackled to fear and anxiety. It provides hope. Again, that same, same idea when we talk about the reality of all the things going on in the world. And it says even that God's word was written so that we might have hope. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. People who know God's word have hope. These things were written. God wants us to be hopeful people. He doesn't want us living in fear, cowed down to the things that are going on in our society, in our culture, in our households, in our neighborhoods. He wants us to be people. He wants us to be a church. He wants us to be a community that are a beacon of love and a beacon of hope. That's why I say this is not a, a book of rules it's a book of love and of hope. That should make us want to get into this and find out what it has to say. It's not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. So much more than that. It's a weapon against the enemy. We have an enemy, don't we? He's out there, says, you know, he's sneaking around, prowling, seeking someone to devour. You know, they say he's not out there to just try and freak you out, scare you, give you the, you know, the, Satan's not out there roaming the world going, boo! 
gotcha. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to grab you and rip your stomach open and eat your innards. He, that's, he says he wants to devour. I mean, picture your Channel 8 thing where the poor little gazelles over there just kind of hopping along, having a good time eating some grass, and the lion comes out. That's the picture Scripture gives for what the enemy wants to do. He's not just trying to spook us or, or you know, freak us out a little. He wants to wreck our lives. A lot of us have had our lives get wrecked, haven't we? A lot of us, by, the only way we got pulled out of the ditch is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who this book talks about. Our life was in a ditch. How many people's lives, you don't have to raise your hand, how many people's lives here have been in a ditch at one point or another? How many people's lives are in a ditch right now? This book gives us the hope that we don't have to live stuck in a ditch. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a defensive weapon, and when I, when I say that, I mean it protects us from sin, right? Right? Protects us from our own desires, doesn't it? It protects us of the philosophies of the world. So you get these messages from the world telling you, this is what you should do, this is what you should... Well, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it's a sword, can take care of those temptations, those desires that come from us, those philosophies that come from the world. So it's a defensive weapon, but it's also an offensive weapon. Many of us, Satan has already snuck into our lives and got a little, uh, got a little stronghold, a piece of real estate that he already owns in your life. Maybe it's bitterness for something that was done to you when you were a child. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's anxiety. And there's this little plot of land where Satan is, is, is kind of got a little chunk of real estate in your heart. You are not experiencing the, the abundant life in that part. Well, this can be used as an offensive weapon to knock down those strongholds and to begin to regain ground in your life, in your heart. And it comes through the truth that God's Word has. I hope this stuff is making you want to get into God's Word. And, and, and I, I know that many of you are already in God's Word, but I, so I hope that it's encouraging you as to why you're spending time and taking the time and going, yes, it has been doing that. Yeah, I can see that. Or yeah, I need more of that. And, and for some, maybe you're struggling or, or have really not even been motivated to get into God's Word. It's just too confusing or no time. Hopefully this is going like, I need some of that. This is what God's Word tells us about itself. It keeps us on the right track, matures us, and equips us for good works. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable. Did someone need that for notes, by the way? Oh, did I go too fast? I did. I got to click back into teacher mode here. Teacher mode says, let everyone write down the notes. Keeps us on the right track, matures us, and equips us for good works. <clears throat> it's easy to get off track. And, uh, you know, it's profitable for doctrine, and that would be teaching for the truths. For reproof, that would be, you know, it's correction, it's uh, instructing, it's training us up in righteousness. It's good for those things. Making us perfect or complete. If you read it in a different version, it may say perfect. Complete, that means to make us mature. And equipping us or giving us what we need for good works. And, and I'll say this. A lot of times, people are struggling or having a difficult time in life. 
and we'll try to give them advice. And uh, a lot of times it's just kind of in one ear and out the other, unless their life is really a wreck. But if we can give people and point people to what God says, a lot of times they'll listen to it more than if it's just what we say. It's profitable for those things. And you can say, well, you know, someone's having trouble and, and their kids have gone off the rails or, or whatever it might be, and you can point them to what God's Word would say. Or they're encountering uh, just uh, horrible circumstances in their life or they've just lost a loved one or um, their health or, or, you know, a job or whatever it is that we can give them correct training, guidance. It's like guardrails on life that will keep people on the right track, which will make them and us mature as we help deliver that, but it also gives how to be equipped to accomplish good works. It tells us how to have the heart to be able to do that. I mean, God's Word really, it's so detailed if you go into God's word it gives us on all the areas all anything important in life God's word gives us instructions on it even tells us things like how to treat younger men older men younger women older women I mean that's pretty that's pretty that's good social training right there if we just took that and started teaching that to our kids so that would equip us for good works don't you think that would be training in righteousness Teaching righteousness, if we taught all our kids how to treat older people, younger people, uh, they would be one step ahead of the rest of the people around them. And God's Word teaches all those kind of details, what to do with money, how to think about money. God's Word teaches us those things. By the way, all these things were given. I I wrote in the original uh, uh, heading there, Here are a few reasons why we should be excited about getting in God's Word. There are a bunch more. We're just going through a few of them. It helps us decipher between what's godly and ungodly. It helps us decipher between what's godly and ungodly. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the context of this verse, I'm not going to go into a bunch of details, but the context of this verse is really that God's Word, if you read the next verse, it talks about we're going to be judged one day. And this is a verse about Christians being judged by God. Not by God. A Christian is going to go to heaven no matter what. But even Christians get judged. There are two types of judges. There's the judge in the courtroom that puts the gavel down and says, off to jail, off to prison. This right, and then there's another type of judge. There's an Olympic judge, and he holds up a card. Now, if you have to go see one of those two judges, what kind of judge do you want to go see? You want to go see the Olympic judge. If if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you get to get out of that line where you're being judged for all the sins that you've done and for eternity. But you will face Christ one day as a judge, who's going to give you an Olympic rating for how you lived. And so he will base, as he judges you, he's going to give you rewards based on what you did or didn't do. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ. We've talked about that. So what this verse is talking about is one day, all of, all of us Christians will be judged for rewards. 
Now, here's how, here's how intense the judging will be between the soul and the spirit. That sounds like, I mean, Scripture even uses those words interchangeably, but it says that the Word of God can cut between the soul and the spirit. You're like, well, okay, I, I, that's even a little hard to grab, grab a hold of. Joints and marrow. There's one maybe you can think of. If you've ever, you know, cut a piece of chicken and you got the joints and the marrow, but that's still pretty, that's pretty connected, right? But God's Word can cut between that. And you're like, well, okay, I need another example. Well, thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, that's some close stuff to cut between, right? How many of you have had a thought and you're kind of wondering, if, what was my motivation between that or behind that? Or you, you, you decided to do something and you're like, was I really doing that for the right reason? Was I kind of being selfish? I gave that guy that. Was I just doing that for a pat on the back or so he'd like me? Or did I do that because I was really wanting to be loving and caring? Well, God's Word can judge between those things. And so as we get into God's Word, have you ever had a mental argument with yourself? Anybody here? Please tell me yes. Yeah, yeah. So you have this mental argument with yourself, right? So Carly and I will say we're having a conflict. Part of me is like, be loving, be understanding, listen, be kind. And a lot of good truth. The other part of me is, you need to make sure she understands how you feel. Don't really listen. There's enough is enough. And I start in this argument. Well, if I don't tell her, then how is she going to know? And the mental arguments, right? Well, as we begin, I, I encourage you, when you start to hear that mental argument, what that is, that's between your flesh, your natural man, and your spirit, the new man. So you, as soon as you start your mental arguing, justifying, I shouldn't go out and do this. Well, you might as well. You deserve a break. And da -da -ba. Begin to think, what does God's Word tell me about the situation? Immediately, if I put that on the, uh, uh, on the situation, like just the example I gave you with Carly, I can usually be pretty safe in knowing which is the right thing to do. God's Word is able to discern between the thoughts and the intents of the heart, between the soul and the spirit, between the natural and the spiritual. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, that's practical, practical stuff because we have mental arguments all day long, or some of us do. Yeah, <laughs> good. It's not me and Tina at least have those kind of things going on. All right, if you're still not convinced of why to, to be excited to, to study God's Word, take some time to read all of Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. It's a chapter all about God's Word. Every single verse mentions God's Word in one way, shape, or form. It'll call it law. It'll call it statutes. It'll call it Word. But it's talking that whole chapter. If you're kind of like, I'm still not real motivated to get into God's Word. Read that chapter. And you know what? I kind of tricked you because then if you read that chapter, you're in God's Word. <laughs> so, see how that works? Real quick, in addition to studying the Bible... We must apply its truths to our life. It's not just enough to learn God's Word. How many of you have, have met those kind of people? Their head is filled with Bible knowledge and you can't get away from them fast enough, right? 
They're just, they're going to tell you everything that's right and everything that's wrong and argue every point, and they're just miserable people to be around. Well, the people who know God's word and apply God's word, everything they do is going to be blessed. You know how I know that? Because God's word tells me that. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness. You know what filthiness is? Filthiness is referring here to the philosophies and ideas of the world. Just being out in this world, we watch TV, we hear commercials, we uh, are around people at work. There's filthiness that gets on us. A lot of worldly wrong ideas. Lay aside that filthiness. It said, and wickedness, overflow of wickedness. You know what that is? That's the stuff that comes from inside of us. That's our own fleshly desires. So we got stuff on the outside trying to get on us. We got our own garbage on the inside. He says, lay that stuff aside and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's able to save your psyche. It's able to, uh, to save your, your soul. That's that word, psyche. It's going to save your, not just your, you for eternity, but the truth here will make you mentally sound, mentally stable, emotionally whole. That's what God's word will do. All those other things, the stuff that comes from inside, the stuff that comes from outside, will wreck you. But God's Word will cleanse, save your psyche, your emotional health. But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's what a hearer does. They deceive themselves. So these people that know all the Bible, they deceive themselves. They, they, they think they're on a good track, but they're not... If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. And, and so you, you, here's a picture. If you're not looking at God's word, you begin to have a wrong concept of who you are. You want to know who you are? Read God's word. And you know what it'll do? It'll give you a proper perspective of yourself. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, It'll help you because we usually swing to one of two extremes. We are either extremely prideful, right? And I'm trying to think of some appropriate phrases. We, we think that uh, self-righteous, those kind of things, prideful, self-righteous, all these, these nasty things, think too much of ourselves. Or we kind of get down on ourselves and we just feel like a bunch of dirty old sinners, a bunch of scumbags. Well, God's Word will help us to understand, have a right perspective of ourselves. As Christians, He tells us that He's made us new, that we're forgiven, that we're beloved, that we're holy. But He will also say, but you have this thing working in you. It's going to work on you till the day you die trying to get you to do what's wrong. Paul talks about it in Romans 7. If I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. And so by God's looking at God's Word, if you're not in God's Word, what's going to happen is you're going to either begin to think too much of yourself or you're going to begin to think too low of yourself. But as you look at God's Word, you begin to understand, I'm created in the image of God. I'm loved. I'm loved so much that God sent His Son to die for me. I've been given forgiveness. I've been given righteousness. I've been given hope for eternity. But also Scripture tells us that everybody's going to face temptation. So you begin to then begin to become strong. And it, it, can you see how this begins to help a person to save your psyche? Otherwise, you're way over here and you're thinking, why am I struggling with temptation? I'm a Christian. 
Or you sin and you're thinking like, oh, who am I? Or you begin to think that, you know, you're, you're uh, so righteous that you're above everybody else and that you walk on clouds. But God's Word is able to save and, and make us whole even now. We don't want to be people who forget what kind of people we are. That's what happens when you don't spend time in God's Word. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in all he does. So as we obey God's word, we're going to be blessed in all we do. We don't have to go run out and do Bible studies and be handing out tracts and do all that. Whatever you do, as you go to work, as you, it's important for us to apply God's word, not just read and study God's word. You guys with me? Mm-hmm. All right. So... If you want to study the Bible but aren't sure where to start, here are a few ideas. So I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. But what I've done, and, and some of you have seen this before, are these little bookmarks. A lot of you guys don't use bookmarks because you have digital Bibles. Uh, you can do something else with this. I'm just going to go through really quick. Uh, Garrett, will you help me hand these out? And Brian, will you help me hand these out? I'm going to go through really quick a couple ways. If you're like, I don't know where to start, what do I do? Uh, We'll talk about these really quick. And while they're handing those out, let me just say this. You'll turn it on to the back side, not the side that says grow, the other side. Let me say this. Consistency is the key to saturation. Consistency is the key to saturation. As we talk about this, it's important for you to realize, maybe I need to get a Bible that I understand, a version I understand. You know what? It'd be better for me to read five minutes a day every day than to try and do a two-hour Bible study every Saturday. Five minutes. It'd be better for me to read a paragraph and digest it than to read, sit down and wait till I can read the whole book of the Bible. Or even if you're like, I don't have time to read a chapter. Begin, start small, and build that up gradually, okay? As we go into each of these. So these are just some different ways, some different formats that you can use to read and get into God's Word. There's probably two dozen more we could talk about that are really good. I'm just going to give you a few ideas. One is a proverb a day. Proverb has 31 chapters. Read the chapter that corresponds with that day of the month. So, what is today? March 17th. So today, which chapter of Proverbs would you read? Now, what, what if you uh, don't read March 17th today, but you wake up tomorrow and remember this message and you want to start reading a proverb a day, which proverb should you read? <laughs> yeah, we had a couple people are timid. They're like, this is a trick, trick question. The 18th, whatever day you miss a day, go to that day of the week that it is and you read that proverb. Proverbs talks about all kinds of things in life. I mean, it has wisdom for everything. So that's one way that you could get into God's Word. This is one, I like it because I made it up. So, uh, but this is maybe for a little bit more, if you have a little bit more. And what I would suggest doing this is, you know how a lot of your Bibles are broke up into, like it'll say, uh, um, the storm on the sea, and it'll have like seven or eight verses about that. I would take that little chunk, whatever chunk it gives you, and figure out what's the topic here. And as you read through it, and you're like, what's the topic? What's the topic? You'll go, oh, it's prayer. This passage is talking about prayer. 
Or maybe it's like, oh, this passage is talking about faith. Or this passage is talking about trials, whatever it is. You get that topic. It's a one word. And then you say, what is the timeless truth? And so let's say it's one about praying, and it's the one about the guy knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, going and bugging his neighbor. And you're like, okay, so the topic here is prayer. The topic's prayer. What is it saying? What's the truth here? To keep on praying. That's the timeless truth. Keep on praying. And then you think, what am I to do with this truth this very day? And maybe you're like, I'm so sick of this job situation. I prayed about it. Keep on praying. There you go. You just took God's word, digested it, and actually applied it. And that should take maybe 10 or 15 minutes for you to do that if you just take a little chunk. This is kind of a classic. This is a, a Warren Wearsby. Uh, this would be if you want to really dive in deep and, and spend a, a bunch more time studying. He kind of has these three main sections. He says, observe, what do I see? Interpret, what does it mean? Apply, how does it work? So this would be if maybe you're kind of going, I do want to do something a little bit more every day. I'm just going to chip away and I want to go through this process. But you're probably not going to do this all in one day. This would be, you know, I want to study... Um, uh, Philippians chapter 2. And so you take this and then you begin to go through this process. Ask the questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how. So this might be something where you actually take a notepad and you start taking notes and you got your little Bible study binder or notebook or app or whatever it is. And then you begin to say, what does it mean? You observe the details of the passage. Know what comes before and after, so you read what's in chapter 1, what's in chapter 2. I'm studying Philippians 2. What's in chapter 1 what's in chapter 3? Compare it to other passages. You know, that passage talks about Christ emptying Himself, humbling Himself. You could compare that to other passages. Culture, know the cultural context of the passage. Culture is important when we read God's Word, right? Did anybody greet you with a kiss this morning here in church? Uh, and, uh, that's the topic for after. So, <laughs> oh, burn. Okay. So, so you wonder, like, why, why is Rich talking about this? Well, Scripture says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, it's important for us to know the culture behind some of the things we're studying, right? We don't see head coverings in here. We're talking about. You, you want to know the culture, and so that might be a little stuff to study out, you know, when you, when you read and you want to do a more in-depth study, uh, what's behind some of these things that don't make sense to us. To dust off the sandal off your shoe when you leave that town, you're like, dust that, I don't even wear sandals, what is he talking about? Uh, so that would help you to understand. Consultation, that would be ask, you know, read commentaries, read what others have written. And then finally, when you begin to get these truths of what it means, then you begin to apply it in your own life. How does this work in my life today? Another easy way, again, would be able to say, you read a passage and say, what does this say about God? What is this telling me about God? Is it talking about His mercy? Is it talking about His justice? Is it talking about His grace? What does it say about God? Talk about Him being loving, patient. What does this tell me about God? And what does this say about me, others, or the world? That's another way you could study God's Word. So, as we, again, as we wrap up here, you know, the reality is that God's Word lets us get to know Him, but even better, it lets us begin to have a relationship with Him through His Son. This is a book of good news. It's a good news message. It's a message of hope. 
It's a message of an abundant life now and eternal life into the future. Abundant life now and eternal life. That's good news. It gives us the truth for all the difficult things that we need to understand in this life. All the things that are really important to us, this book talks about. So practically speaking, I would just encourage you, I hope you feel motivated to get into God's Word. Maybe you need to get an easier to read version. Maybe you need to set some time aside. Maybe you need to start praying as you're reading God's Word. Uh, maybe you've been just reading and you're like, boy, I haven't been working on the application. I haven't been looking for ways to actually apply this and what this looks like for me today to apply this to my own life today. Again, I would say this is a book about Jesus Christ. This is a, the wrap-up of our, our Bible series and just that you would know that this is a book about Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in Him. And the bottom line is it's telling us to put our faith and trust in Christ and in nothing else. And, the, and, and, and you will be blessed now and into eternity as we put our faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for the forgiveness you give us through Him. We thank you for the righteousness that you provide. Thank you for the eternal promise, the hope that we have because of Him. God, I pray that you would use your word uh, in our lives even this week. Help us to be motivated to dig in, to get to know you better. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Mm -hmm.